So before we get into this laundry list of incredible topics we have on the show today, from the Rose Bowl finally relenting to the all Big 12 teams that have been named to Neil Brown officially getting another year at West Virginia to Jenny Baranchek's team getting that dub to the problems with Mickey Joseph and a couple more Sooners on their way out. Josh, I got to tell you, I am all in right now on bowl projections. I know. I know. Why am I doing this to myself? But I have about 18 different tabs open. And I literally, I, I, I don't even know what to tell you as far as what to expect. I know that just about everyone who's anyone has Oklahoma projected to either the Independence, or pardon me, um, Liberty Bowl, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, or the Tax Act Houston Bowl. But this is that moment, Josh, where I remind everybody that while it's kind of advised and preferred that bowls look at the standings, these bowls can take whomever they want at any time, which is why I am not surprised at all to, to see this sudden surge of projections back to the, oh gosh, how many different world, words, names has the um, – has the Cheez-It Bowl had? Does it have the record for most sponsor ties in the history of college football? And, yes, we've been there before, and it was not a fun trip. But I and, – and then I get caught – you know, Brent Venable said it on his Monday Night Coaches show that they're preparing for about five or six opponents – and it's wild because in these last few Cheez-It Bowl projections, there's two opponents that are mentioned in there that I don't think I've seen Oklahoma matched up with at all. One's Florida State, one's North Carolina State. It's like, ugh. I'd love to see OU Florida State in the Cheez-It Bowl. I would just hate the idea that it's that it's in Orlando. I, I even heard a little bit of buzz that would go completely against like the selection process. In other words, these bowls pick in order. I'm going to try to do this off the top of my head. Tell me if I'm wrong. Obviously, after the playoff, if you don't get the playoff, then the Big 12 champion goes to the Sugar Bowl. And in this case, it looks like it'll be the, the runner-up. It's going to be fascinating to see if TCU still gets in with one loss, uh, when and if Kansas State beats them this weekend. But Kansas State at the very, I think, worst would be a Sugar Bowl, and maybe even at the very best, headed to the Sugar Bowl. But Alamo Bowl is going to take Texas, and then it becomes just interesting. You got the Cheez-It Bowl that picks next. You got the Tax Act Texas Bowl that picks third. And then you've got the Liberty Bowl that picks fourth. But when, when I was around campus the other day, for some reason, Josh, there seemed to be some people that thought December 22nd was a date when OU might be playing a bowl game. And December 22nd has just one bowl game, and it doesn't really have a conference tie to it. 
And right now, the Armed Forces Bowl has projected Oklahoma, or has been projected as Oklahoma State and Air Force by the Athletic, and it's the it's really the only place that I've seen a Big Twelve team projected to the Armed Forces Bowl. So I, I don't know if that helps clear up the bowl picture or cloud it anymore. But this is, you know, I felt last year we were pretty solid in that the Alamo Bowl was the place they were going to go. I don't think there was two, at least a lot of my mind from that stretch has been uh, wiped out because literally the day the Alamo Bowl was announced was the same day that Lincoln Riley ends up going to USC. But I feel like every single bowl projection I look at, Josh Helmer, confuses me a little bit more about where Oklahoma could possibly end up. So what you're saying is there are, <laughs> there is more than one destination, oh. perhaps, for Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, and in fact, I'm sitting here, I, I just refreshed, and I was just looking at the uh, the updated athletic bowl projections. And again, they're staying strong with Oklahoma on its way to the Cheez-It Bowl as the third choice out of the Big 12. And, on, I mean, even the, the Cheez-It Bowl throughout last or earlier this week, all the different projections, and it really seemed as if, for for the most part, that it, it was going to be Texas Tech. But, again, I, I, I'm not going to allow it to bog this show down today. I know that if I were to open it up, there's probably eight people telling me, well, they're going here. And when you, you don't know what you're talking about. So I will be the first one to tell you, I don't know which direction this is going to go as far as Oklahoma's bowl game is concerned. But Brent Venables said on Monday they're preparing for about four or five to six different opponents, and we'll wait because we know how Sunday goes, right? Sunday you get like two hours on the four-team playoff. Then you get an hour on the New Year's Day six bowl. Then sometime right before the stroke of midnight, they mention about every single other bowl. So prepare yourself for a, a long and frustrating Sunday. On this Thursday, how are you, Josh Helmer? How was your Wednesday night? Oh, feeling good, doing good. Good morning to you, and how are you, my friend? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I, I did. I got caught up in a little hoops last night, watching a little NBA, and won't lie, it was the Thunder are, are, are slowly but surely, I think, for a lot of people starting to and, – and, and I, I mean, listen, they're always going to be for us because they're in this state, but kind of must-see TV – you're starting to see a lot of buzz building. You know, you imagine if Chet Holmgren would have stayed healthy, what it might have been is kind of a league pass must see. Did I say that right? A league pass must watch. But they got they got smoked in the first half. I mean, they gave up 77 first half points, and I don't I don't know how this happens, but you give up 77 first half points, and you only give up 34 in the second half. Whatever Coach Dagnall said in the halftime locker room, let's bottle that up and keep that defensively. Holy smokes. So I watched a lot of NBA last night, but you know, I, I couldn't help but maybe do a little fist pump over the Rose Bowl news. So do we this is celebratory news, peeps. Unless you are like the two people in media that want this to go back to the BCS and just have two teams playing for a championship, or if you're pushing back against the possibility of expanding the four-team playoff. Josh, this was massive news last night with the Rose Bowl agreeing to amend its deal and really kind of paving the way for the future of college football 
and the expansion sooner rather than later of the playoffs. I think this is massive. Well, and it's good news that the Rose Bowl did, in fact, make some amends and let up here a little bit, right? Because the way this thing felt two nights ago was that with the ultimatum in place, if the Rose Bowl, which it was totally conceivable that the Rose Bowl wouldn't budge on this deal, if they didn't budge, then all of a sudden we were looking at maybe a scenario down the road where the Rose Bowl wasn't a part of the college football playoff or the New Year's Six or however you wanted to phrase it, right? I don't know many things, Plank, but if you cost people millions of dollars, typically when you come back to the negotiation table, you're not uh, welcomed back to the negotiation table in the same (laughs) sense. I don't know many things, but I do know that. So I just think for college football fans in general, the fact that, you know, if you want to be in the, oh, my goodness, the regular season, it's been devalued. Okay, I'm not going to argue that point too awfully much with you, but uh, one thing that you didn't want to happen, if you're a purist, is the Rose Bowl not be involved. So this obviously avoids that. And then what does it mean for Oklahoma, man? I think it means Oklahoma gets to have its cake and eat it too. How so? Because Oklahoma, all along, right, wanted to uh-huh. to get into the SEC. That uh, right. that has That is happening. And, uh, you know, obviously now you get to get a 12-team playoff perhaps ah, okay. by as soon as okay. the first year you're there. And it looked like maybe there were going to be some roadblocks in the way to that. But uh, as we've gone along here, several of those road okay. b- roadblocks have crumbled away. And now Oklahoma gets to have its cake and eat it too. It gets to be in the All SEC right. eventually and have it in a 12-team format where they could still get into the playoff if it's not a one-loss OU. See what you're saying. I smell what you're cooking, and, and I and I think I buy it. The now, I, I think the natural response is why was the college football playoff committee so beholden to the Rose Bowl or the powers that be or however you want to you want to put it with the Rose Bowl? It was because the Rose Bowl had to amend its contract as one of the so-called contract bowls in order to accommodate the system. The Rose Bowl's cooperation was really the final barrier. Why? Well, the Rose Bowl is pretty – oh, I don't even think it's – it's it's. you need to say it's pretty solid. Oh, it is very much stuck on A, Jan 1, and B, it's start time. They want that shot of the sun, and it's gorgeous. Don't get me wrong; it is amazing. It's it's an amazing setting when that stadium is full, and that sun sets over the mountains, and it's just awesome. It really is. But this doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to consistently be played in that time slot. But it just means now that the Rose Bowl will be a part of the college football playoff. Here's here's the nugget of it. And then we'll get to the exciting part of it for, as Josh mentioned, Sooner fans and the college football fans in general. Sources laid out to ESPN that the college football playoff officials told Rose Bowl officials this week they'd make good faith efforts to work with them. But that would not include the exclusive window for the Rose Bowl that isn't a part of the CFB. Any of the Rose Bowl's requests that involve the next contract, be it financial or otherwise, were impossible to even address 
as there is no way to know what the television contracts for the next college football playoffs will look like. I mean, who knows, Josh? Maybe ultimately in the next college football playoff deal, they say, you know what? We understand that January 1 is a big day for the Rose Bowl, but we'd like for the Rose Bowl to be the permanent home of the national championship game. I'm just vamping here. Or if you want to be on Jan 1, the Rose Bowl is consistently going to be one of the final four sites, right? I, and, again, I'm maybe I'm a little bit dumb here. I don't know what the ultimate payout is for and, and, and the allure, the cash, the cash money when it comes to, to hosting the national championship game. And maybe college football will look at it and say, no, 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 we make too much money going to these different places and, and, and having the bid for it. That's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm not here to judge. But I'm just saying you can't guarantee anything in the next TV deal. Who knows what ESPN or Fox or CBS or NBC might want as part of it. I'm also not one of those people that's overly nostalgic about the Rose Bowl. To me, it was always the, the Big Ten Pac-12 matchup and the way things are going with conference realignment. Uh, I don't really know if if maybe the Rose Bowl was overly excited about a potential and a 12-team playoff, right? If you're not going to be a part of that, then welcome to your Oregon State-Indiana Rose Bowl. You know, you're not going to have that opportunity to have the Ohio State's, USC's, Michigan's, if the trajectory of their program stays where it is. So I... I think it was a good move all the way around. I guess, Josh, it just kind of sucks it took this long because we probably could have been in a position where the 12-team playoff starts next year as opposed to 2024. You're right. Yeah, just the hang-up here didn't allow that. Well, I still don't. I mean, I, I I don't see why they couldn't do that, but that's just me. Same. Whatever. It's, it's not going to happen. Uh, and obviously the Rose Bowl not budging for a large portion of time here is – a big reason why but hey i'm shocked I, I gotta say when that news started breaking last night coming one day on the heels of well there's been an, an ultimatum issued out to the rose bowl in no way shape or form did i think that you and i would be reconvening this morning talking about well the rose bowl said yes it's like <laughs> totally goes against everything that's happened with the rose bowl for i don't know how long we've been doing this, talking about the Rose Bowls, throwing a stink about getting its date moved and this and that for feels like at least five years. So the fact right. that they actually got this done is uh, borderline a little bit shocking. I'm as blown away as you are. I fully expected this to drag out through the weekend and become a major topic on all the shows. But good news is it didn't. We'll move on. Congrats to the Rose Bowl. Congrats to the college football playoffs. And – Probably in in one of the few years that we've had over the last decade, Josh. Wish it was this year, man. I, I'd I'd love to see what an Alabama. I'd love to see, man. I'd love to see a Kansas State get an. I think Kansas State is really good, and I think Will Howard is playing well. And you know Notre Dame lost to USC, but you know I'd love I I would have loved to have seen Notre Dame win that game to see if they could have done something. I feel like this is a year where 12 would have been amazing, right? Tennessee, not getting hit and Hooker getting hurt, kind of implodes that quite a bit. But this is this is one of those few seasons over the last, you know, seven or eight where you're like, man, if we had 12 this year, it would be awesome. Most of the time people complain, right? Oh, well, that just means another team X, X and Y, well, Georgia and Alabama is going to blow out. Well, in this instance, you know, we don't know. 
it's it's as open, I think, as it's been outside of what Georgia has done this year. And even Georgia has shown a few awards, playing tight with Kentucky, playing tight against Missouri, which, by the way, it's always funny to me whenever people talk about how tight they played with Kentucky and they still, I mean, dominated that game uh, if you were watching it. Like, they were never really in doubt. So, here we go. 12 teams is coming. Let's go. Got me fired up. All right, coming up on the show today, we're going to hear from Bill Snyder. I talked yesterday to the legendary Kansas State head football coach, and we went in-depth on building a foundation and what it means. You know, they had their – what was it, 12, 12 points, 16 points, whatever it was, and that was a recruiting mantra that they stood behind and stayed with, and it was successful. So we talked to Bill Snyder about building a program. We've got more on the Rose Bowl being in. The all-Big 12 teams are out, and Neil Brown is staying at West Virginia, plus highlights and recaps from all the action in sports last night. But as we spend this Thursday with our crew at Cavens Construction, um, water flood issues, water extraction, structural drying, cleanup, build back. They're your one-stop shop in uh, Norman and OKC at 573-3048, online at cavensconstruction.com. But, Josh, we got to talk about the moves that were made yesterday from a couple of Sooners in the portal to one Sooner on his way to the next chapter. We'll talk about what that means for OU going forward next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. With Josh on Plank. All right, 405-651-3439. Quickly, though, real quick off the Air Comfort Solutions text line, that's 405-651-3439. Light start on the text line. Y'all aren't as fired up over the Rose Bowl as Josh and I are. Uh, for the 918, 2023 will be the last year for OU in the Big 12. I... I've ridden the roller coaster of takes on this, Josh, and you know it because, unfortunately, you've been on it with me. Um, I immediately thought there was never, and I mean ever, a way that Oklahoma would play in a 14-team Big 12, ever. But then, you know, hearing the buzz over the last year and kind of how Oklahoma really hasn't changed its stance and, and even, you know, in every off-the-record conversation I have with anyone, it's still, no, 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 2025. But then, you know, during the Bedlam week, and then especially afterwards, what did it start becoming? Well, I don't, I don't know. I... This could be, you know, who knows how long Bedlam will be. I I brought it up quite a bit. Good buddy of mine who would know throughout on social media. You, it's sad that this could be one of the last Bedlams ever played. And, and listen, I get it. In a 14-team league, you, you never know how they would handle how the Big 12 would handle that scheduling. You would assume that Bedlam would still be a part of it, right? But I was someone that really, really pushed back against Oh, you playing in the 14-team Big 12. Then I was convinced, no, 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 it's going to happen. And now, Josh, I don't necessarily know if I could sit here and agree with that or disagree with that texter. I I just I don't know. No clue. It's totally conceivable that after next year, Oklahoma and Texas would reach some sort of agreement to buy out the, the final year of the grant of rights. It's also totally conceivable that, they're so close to the finish line that they both say, let's not pay any money, eh, you know? I mean, right. so I don't – yeah, it's tough to say. 
I, I've always been in the camp that if you get to where you're one calendar year away, I mean, what's the right. point? Just stay. Don't, don't pay extra money. Yeah, unless the unless the TV networks and the SEC are working in conjunction behind the scenes to try to make sure that you're not having to fork out any money, right? I mean, that's the only thing I could think of. But yeah, I I, I hear where you're coming from. I used to have a really strong opinion on it, but I feel like it's shifted so much in the last few weeks. I don't even know what to do. Um, at four zero five six five one three four three nine Air Comfort Solutions text line on a Thursday. We're hanging out at Cavens Construction. We do this most Thursday. Steelman's out here as well. Uh, mold testing, mold removal, uh, offices in Tulsa, here in Norman, uh, Kansas. They work in Ardmore, Paul's Valley, Purcell, you name it. They've got you covered and are available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Josh, yesterday we had a myriad of news involving the Oklahoma Sooners and guys who were on the way out. So far, by my count, the transfer pro- the transfer portal includes Theo Wees, now Joshua Eaton, and am I am I, I just I know there's been more Jordan Mukes. but I feel like the Jordan Mukes, that's right he popped out yesterday so those are three guys we know right now that are in the portal quick aside no offense to any three of these guys. But this falls into the category of what we spent an hour on the show fighting about. And it's not just and, – and I was thinking about this last night. I was listening to uh, to Carrie and the unofficial 40. This isn't just going to be Oklahoma that's going to have big numbers in the transfer portal. Right, Josh? It's going to be – it's going to be a little bit of everybody. And – I think even you, you've noticed Alabama has already had a handful of guys that have thrown their name in the portal. Now, one pulled his name back today, but I just get the sense that, you know, we put that over under at 14. And it, just to be clear and to reset, that's not 14 to where we're like, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? I think like 10 to 15 is going to be the norm for most programs with guys leaving to go into the portal. And as long as one of our – Eyebrow razors or gut punch guys don't send out the 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 Twitter note or the the graphic with them leaving. I think you feel pretty good about things. To me, the Joshua Eaton exit is fascinating because I always liked the kid. He always seemed so engaged. Um, I, I know he had battled some injuries, and I know that you know when he got a chance last year, he played okay, but then got mossed by Quentin Johnston, and that kind of lost all of the momentum. But you know, he kind of falls in that category with a Jordan Mukes, guys that were brought in, and you thought, oh, maybe they can be the future of the secondary. And unfortunately for both, it, it never really materialized. And this is just the way of college football. If you're not Preach. going to be a starter somewhere, then you're going to see individuals leave to try and try their hands somewhere else or go be a starter at a non-Power 5 school. So that's just the way of the world. Clearly, in the case of both Mukes and Eaton, that uh, wasn't going to happen here. And OU's got talented, young defensive back players, right? There's a lot of excitement about a Robert Spears Jennings. There's a lot of excitement about a future of a Gentry Williams. So, yep. And probably those guys got passed up in regard to those couple of youngsters, and that's just a pair of examples. So when that's the case – 
yeah, you're going to exit stage left. Theo Weiss, a little bit different story there. But, uh, again, that's somebody that, unfortunately, for whatever reason, be it injuries, Plank, or the new coaching staff, it never fully materialized to the level of five-star Theo Weiss. Unfortunately. Disappointing. I still think he's super talented, and I think he could be great at OU, but uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah, and it and it never – it never really materialized. So those are the three names that are in the portal. We added three more names, and on two of these we're assuming a little bit, but we added three more names that are gone for next year for Oklahoma. This off to the NFL. The and this all I was listening to. Uh, I was listening to the rush yesterday with Travis and Tyler, and this all just they had all kinds of breaking news that was falling at one time for the Mickey Joseph story. The unfortunate news there that we'll get to in a bit, but. A guy that I thought had not met his potential through his first couple seasons as a starter, but then this year has just been fantastic, is Anton Harrison. In fact, so much so, Josh, that yesterday Cooper Beebe was named the Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year, and even even with Oklahoma's frustration this year, I think there was a hell of a case for Anton Harrison to be the offensive lineman of the year for the Big 12. I really do. I thought he had a sensational season. Were there some mistakes that were made? Absolutely. But at left tackle, um, and and I get it, with a left-handed quarterback, it's a little bit different. But you're going up against the best of the best, right? And I just I couldn't be more impressed with Anton Harrison. For draft nerds out there right now, right now there's a lot of questions about Harrison. He's projected as a second-rounder, but there is the belief with the emphasis on on obviously left tackles and knowing that he's played a little right tackle and his size, his athleticism. There's Alex Leatherwood there to where there's such an upside. It would not surprise me at all, our perceived upside in the case of Leatherwood. It would not surprise me at all, Josh, if he ends up being a guy in the first-round conversation. That's and, and you know this from following the NFL. What gets overdrafted, usually? Quarterbacks and left tackles. And if you hit on one, you're set for a decade. If you miss, all right, well, let's go try to let's go try to find uh, one in free agency and pay him a bunch of money. You know, it's it's worth the risk, I think, at left tackle, and you can kind of ease him in. I think I think Harrison's gonna end up going in the first round. I really do. I might be crazy, but I really do. And two other quick notes on guys heading out before uh, you dive into it, Josh. Reese's Senior Bowl officially invited Eric Gray and officially invited Wanya Morris. While neither has officially announced they're leaving, that's a pretty good indication that both are gone, which means the reality for Sooner football fans is you're replacing both starting tackles, even though you know Wanya had some issues and didn't start every game. You're replacing both starting tackles and your most productive running back in 2023. Ch- challenging, to say the least. It is. T- time for some uh, young pups to step up, and seems like Jake Squared is uh, a good good couple of candidates there. Though, uh, let's let's see if somebody like a Guyton can't take a, a big step forward as well. And there's a lot of shuffling of the deck that's going to happen before we boot off 2023, so... Transfer portal stuff, we saw Oklahoma, along the offensive line, be active in that regard. So is there maybe some help there? 
we, we'll see, right? You went and got a McCade Mataglia. You went and got a Guyton. So is is that going to be an option? And then just the, the development, like we mentioned right there off the top of some of these young guys. Signees, I don't know that it's realistic to expect uh, anybody in this signing class. Maybe a Caden Green can can come in and help you right away, but it doesn't typically offensive line lend itself to uh, true freshmen coming in and playing straight away, though I guess at times uh, here and there we've seen that at Oklahoma. So not a big surprise on any of uh, those names that you mentioned. Anton Harrison, I do think, man, he's got a chance to be a first-rounder. It's going to boil down to how well the, the combine, the test, the interviews, all of sure. those sorts of things go. But I want to say Pro Football Focus has him 30th right now on its big Ooh. board. So just – not reading bad. some of the tea leaves out there, I mean, that's a first-rounder, very tail end of the first round, but that is a first-rounder per pro football focus. Did, is that right off the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Jalen Redmond to the Senior Bowl? Because if that just dropped, was that this morning? Yeah, I hadn't seen that uh, either. But uh, Okay. Yeah, there it is. Boom. All right, so that just dropped this morning. Thank you. From uh, at Senior Bowl, an official invite for Jalen Redmond which would likely mean that he is out in 2020. Well, not likely. He is. So that's awesome for Jalen Redmond. That, I did not know if he was going to get um, a, a, an invite, but that is really, really good news. So transfer portal, who do we have? Mukes, Wheeze, and Eaton. Senior Bowl now add Jalen Redmond to that list with Wanya Morris and Eric Gray. Uh, and Anton Harrison on his way to the National Football League draft. So far, you know, outside of I don't, there was some. I don't know where it was, but was it on this show? <laughs> Everything's running together, Josh. Where some had speculated about Jalen Redmond's future and if he would come back. I mean, I don't. I, don't, I think this guy's going to try to do what he can to provide for his family and get to the next level. So to see him get a Senior Bowl invite, I think. I think it's huge, and it's going to be very interesting if we can nerd out for a second to see what scouts want from Jalen Redmond. Do they want him to, at the weight he's at, work on the interior, or do they maybe say, hey, cut cut some weight, let's get you back to that edge mentality where we thought you were going to be coming out of high school. So Jalen Redmond to the Senior Bowl, good catch. And another hole to fill for Oklahoma. But, again, I would say, Josh, not one that I overly expected to return for the Sooners in 23. Unless you did. I didn't think Jalen Redmond was going to be back. No, it didn't seem like it. I was hopeful because I do right. think if he came back and put together a really productive season, was healthy, and was Oklahoma's, we, again, I keep using that phrase, momentum creator, if he was that guy up front for Oklahoma, which I thought he was mm-hmm. going to be this season and he wasn't, if he was that guy, then I think he could have worked himself into third round or higher status. But uh, obviously, sure. it doesn't seem like that's uh, how this is going to play out. So, best of luck to him. Hopefully, he goes and tears it up at the Reese's Senior Bowl. Um, I, I I would say, can I? We've really gone wrong. Let me let me add a draft nugget when we get back. Gosh, I can't believe it's already nine thirty nine. Hour one of the Plank Show is brought to you by Van Hoos Fence VH Fence. Dot com. They've got their holiday special that's available right now. You can learn more by, I guess it would help if I actually had the phone number right here in front of me. Uh, you can pick up the phone and call the crew, Mark and Tessa. They're fantastic over at Van Hoos Fence, 
1167. Spending our Thursday with our buddy Gary Cavins of the crew at Cavins Construction. Little Bill Snyder coming up after the top of the hour, but some draft talk for the current Sooners, whose names are, I guess you could say, on the verge of getting drafted. We'll dive into where they fit next right here on The Ref. All right, just a quick note. I don't – I obviously oversubscribe to different draft ideals and websites and listen to too many podcasts on it. But with the announcement this morning that Jalen Redman is off to the Senior Bowl, Anton Harrison already off to the NFL, Eric Gray and Wanye Morris – off to the Senior Bowl. That's four guys to the NFL draft, all who played significant snaps. Now, what does it mean for those individuals going forward? Well, I'm, NFLDraftBuzz.com is kind of an aggregation draft website, and I like it because it's easy to navigate. But the story for Jalen Redmond isn't a good one in their mind. It, they, they have him the 56th-ranked defensive lineman and basically having to catch on as an undrafted free agent. The the good news for, for Redmond is I feel like his flashes are pretty impressive, right? Grade the flashes is a term you hear quite a bit, uh, and I think that's going to help Wanya Morris too. You, you see teams that are more apt to take a guy that wows in a flash like Morris and, and Redmond have uh, because that upside is considered to be so much higher than some consistent performance. I know that sounds crazy, but it's a reality. Um, Redmond, the 56th defensive lineman, 330th overall. They consider Anton Harrison number 74 overall prospect-wise and the 11th-rated tackle. Now, that would mean in the eyes of NFLDraftBuzz.com, they would have him projected as what a, a potential late second, early third-round pick, while Eric Gray, not necessarily the highest numbers on him either, uh, projected to be a fourth-round pick. Though, I think for Eric Gray, Josh, I think that works out pretty good to see him get in the draft in the fourth round. Heading into this year, he probably was a guy that wasn't, in a lot of minds, going to be drafted or or would have to be a free agent guy. After the season he had, to see him projected as a fourth-rounder, not too bad. No, not too bad at all. And the running back position just is going to be that way. I mean, the today's fourth-rounder as a running back is more like, what yesteryear's third rounder maybe even late second <laughs> right. rounder so really that's not all bad you're talking about I, I again kansas city lens isaiah pacheco was a seventh round draft pick okay and he's right. a massive piece of what's going on in kansas city so a fourth round running back can latch on and be a star in the national football league and eric gray could earn himself a, a second contract that's a little bit more lucrative than said opening fourth-round contract. A couple of quick air comfort solutions text before we grab a break. It's the best way to stay in touch with the show, 405-651-3439. From the 409, for a majority of athletes entering the transfer portal, won't it be essentially starting over for them if they go to another school? Sure. I mean, unless they go to a place where either their former head coach or former position coaches are the, the former coordinator that they worked with. And it'd be kind of, you know, what we saw with Dylan Gabriel this year, what you saw with Caleb Williams this year, they go somewhere where they're comfortable, right? I mean, yeah. And, and for some, they want that opportunity to, to do over. I mean, do you, I mean, do you anticipate Joshua Eaton ending up at a high power five school 
as a transfer, or Jordan Mukes for that matter? I don't know. Not really. Uh, yes, in the sense that they I They want think to go that, play, maybe. Yes, in the sense that they could get to one of those schools, but no in the sense that I don't expect them to go there and be big-time starting contributors. I mean, and isn't that probably what they want is to go somewhere where they can start? So I, and again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to understand any of their family life situations, but a guy like, I mean, a guy like Joshua Eaton, you know, I could see him following the Robert Barnes path at a place like Colorado or something and getting to play. But do I see any of these – are any of these players leaving right now and, and going to be the cornerstone of a program that's battling for a playoff berth? This sounds terrible to say, but you know it is true. The answer is no. So, yeah, but you're right. Sean's been on this kick for quite a while. And, and I want to I throw this out as we head to the break. So with portal, graduation, and early NFL entry, just about every program has between 35 to 40% roster turnover each season and has been. So not unique to OU. Do you buy that? It's been one of the biggest points this season. Hey, 40% of this roster has never worn an OU jersey. Right? We've heard it a lot. I understand there's the frustration with there's no excuse to be 6-6. Six and six. I completely understand, and I'm not trying to excuse it. But I'll push back on that slightly when we come back. Just just slightly. Because turnover is everywhere. But what's the difference in that type of turnover in most places? A coach that's been there and has built a foundation. We'll get into that next right here on The Ref. I had to talk to uh, Bill Snyder yesterday. I want to share some program-building thoughts that he had. What do you, what do you make of that assessment as we welcome you back into the Plank Show live from Cavens on a Thursday? Norman OKC 405-573-3048 expanding into Kansas into the T into the 918 T-Town 282-7612 that's 918-282-7612 water flood damage you name it they've got you. Uh, mold testing, roll, mold removal, roofing and 24-7 emergency response, Cavens. Is, uh, is that a fair point? With portal graduation, with portal graduation, early NFL entry, early program, or every program, maybe I should try this again. With portal moves, graduation, early NFL entry, every program has 35 to 40% roster turnover each season and has been. So not unique to OU. In other words, pushing back against that narrative that, hey, you know, so many guys have never worn a Sooner uniform today. I push back slightly by saying, hey, listen, a lot of those places where that have turnover like that, it's not a first-year head coach. There's an established head coach, and I know you immediately turned uh, to USC, but, hey, give me Caleb Williams, and I'm feeling pretty good about what 2022 could have been. Josh, what say you? What say I is I don't have enough information, and the reason Ooh. I don't have enough information is – I see what Sean's saying, but I need to dig through the numbers before I have an educated response to it. My initial reaction is I think Sean's more on the right side of this than on the wrong side of this. I do think to some degree the defections have been that, – that hand has gotten overplayed a little bit. But I don't have the numbers over a five-year, ten-year sample size – to sit here and scream up and down that he's right or he's wrong. So I, I just don't fully know yet. 
I, I generally speaking agree that this is college football and that stuff happens, but I don't know. I, I don't know if it is in excess compared to years past or if it's on par with years past. So I need more information. You know, and, and as, as an ad- amendment or addendum to that, I guess it wouldn't be, and uh, that wouldn't be me, but uh, an- another point, maybe the quarterback is a better comparison, right? If, if you lose that quarterback, that hurts quite a bit. But Sean's point was you don't necessarily need elite talent to beat the West Virginias and Techs of the world. Roster turnover in his mind, had nothing to do with that. So there, there is that pushback when we talk about the challenge of roster turnover. Uh, 405-651-3439. Oh, and Big Bad Wolf real quick. Are we even going to mention the upgrades that the OU campus is getting? Yeah, it looks like uh, they're going to get some fresh new football facilities. It's been mentioned. It's part of the arms race, man. And we we talked about that when it first came out. Now you're finally seeing some movement on it. Uh, my understanding was that there was there was hope that there would be movement going on during the season. But that just unfortunately wasn't the case. And now, now hopefully they'll be able to move some dirt on that front. All right, take a break. When we come back, talk to Bill Snyder about program building, foundation building. I'll share what he said next. 